someone offered your business $1 million on the condition that you change one of its core values, would you take the money? Or even better, would you turn down $1 million because your business has an unwavering commitment to garbage? Well, in this first episode of Here's What I Know, our guest Tom Saki did just that. Hello, and welcome to Here's What I Know, a podcast featuring today's most forward-thinking, thought-provoking, and in some cases, most courageous executives. If you've ever been at an airport bar or riding to an appointment with one of these fearless agents of change and had the opportunity to hear about his or her business experience, then you know that you can glean a lot of insights in a short period of time. These nuggets of wisdom not only can shape your attitude, they can shape your career. Well, in every 15-minute episode of Here's What I Know, we take innovative and articulate executives out of the corporate environment and let them relate what they've learned on their path to success in an informal and honest way. For this episode, that person is Tom Saki, CEO and founder of TerraCycle, a small but growing company that transforms garbage into consumer goods. We found him interesting for three reasons. Yes, he did turn down $1 million over changing the core philosophy of his company. Two, that philosophy involves things like selling worm poop in used soda bottles. And three, his products have landed on the shelves of major retailers such as Target, Walmart, and Home Depot. In fact, TerraCycle is becoming so successful that it drew the attention of billion-dollar fertilizer corporation Scott's Miracle Grow. Scott's has sued TerraCycle for a variety of reasons that Tom views as frivolous. But TerraCycle has used the lawsuit to its advantage, generating a tremendous amount of free publicity. In fact, we learned about Tom in a story on the cover of the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> oh, and there's one more thing. Tom's only 25. So here's what Tom Saki knows. Tom, have you ever had a situation where you were smarter than your boss or knew you were right about something your boss was wrong about? And if so, how did you handle that situation? So far in my business life, I have <laughs> luckily been the boss. Um, but, you know, there's always someone that you have to report to. And I don't, you know, what, what's shaken out to me, I think I've, I've had it from both perspectives, people who report to me having much better, better ideas than I have or, you know, when I'm reporting to my board, uh, them having much better ideas than I have in either case. And I think that the only way I've ever been able to deal with it is to step back and not make it a, a point about whose idea is better and about um, who necessarily wins because then, you know, obviously someone's going to win and someone's going to lose because some idea will prevail. You know, there may be two conflicting ideas, but there may be a part of one idea that could be more than the other, making it feel like both parties won. Show that it's not necessarily one versus the other, but um, fusing what's good about both. And you try to remove, like, taking credit from the whole situation? to Oh, you, you completely have to remove personal credit because many times it all comes down to whose idea it was and who wants their fingerprint on it, and that has to be quickly removed because it just is a very, it's, I mean, it's a pointless exercise. The idea gets hurt when ego gets involved. Tom, so what's the fastest way to piss you off? Not care. Not care about what you're doing. That, that, that will get me going more than anything. Um, whether it's, you know, a laborer who sits around and just waits for something to come to them instead of trying to be proactive, to, you know, an executive who is, uh, comes here at 9 and leaves at 5 waiting for the clock to click. 
people who don't care. Is, and the reason that pisses me off so much is that I feel helpless and that I can't do anything about it. The last thing, I could help people come up with you know, better ideas or to help them push the, their ideas in, in, in directions, and that's, that's fine. You know, someone can come in and not be skilled but could care, and caring, not caring is something I feel I can't affect. That's very difficult to change. And when someone has that, that, that is the biggest thing that pisses me off. As a startup organization, as an organization that seems like a passionate organization trying to do something maybe good, just throwing this on you, maybe a little more than making money, doing something positive, how, how much do you run into that? Do you run into that a lot, or it seems like a, it's a passionate Well, place? I think we are lucky. In, uh, you know, with TerraCycle, because we're doing so much good, we really don't run into it as often, but we definitely run into it. I mean, I've, uh, a week ago I let someone go for this exact reason. And uh, we run into it more with less with front office because I think our mission is more palatable to our front office crew, but our with our labor, not as many people understand, you know, sort of the the eco capitalist perspective of what TerraCycle is trying to achieve and see it just as a production job, which it is, and I get it even more there. You definitely see it, but I think because there's other aspects of why TerraCycle is so exciting and and everything else we're doing that it's less. It's definitely diminished. What about frivolous lawsuits? Did they push you off? <laughs> <laughs> yes, touche. Frivolous lawsuits are, are I mean, that, that I, it, it, I couldn't believe. It was shocking, Let, you know, not even just pissing me off, but I couldn't believe they would stoop to that level. It really felt to me like they're, they're stooping to the lowest level because fundamentally, why not compete against another company by releasing great products and now competing them with products? You know, if miracle Grow did that, I would tip my hat and say, you know, great, great job just like what we're trying to do. But doing it this way is a, is a little bit underhanded. What's the biggest turnaround you ever had, and how did you pull it off? When we first started TerraCycle, we had about almost no success raising money. So we were raising capital by entering and winning business plan contests. We went into the eighth business plan contest, which was, our last, was the last one of the year. $500 in the bank account it was a contest for a million dollars. We ended up winning the contest for a million bucks. And because the venture capitalist who was funding the money wanted us to take the, take the investment but move away from garbage as sort of the basis of our product, we turned down the money <laughs> with 500 bucks in our bank account. And uh, that was one of the biggest negatives we had in the history of our company. But because of that, uh, the turnaround was that we had to figure out a way to package our product, and we couldn't afford packaging, so we decided to package it and use soda bottles that we could just get out of people's recycling containers at the time. And that created the entire paradigm of packaging and used packaging or waste uh, that now is one of the staples of our brand. Yeah, that was something we, we read about, and we just had to ask, turning down a million dollars, and I didn't know the $500 part, but turning down a million dollars of yeah. funding, why, <laughs> well, if, because, if I can ask? You know, our basis, the reason I dropped out of school to, um, you know, to build TerraCycle was that I saw that you could make an amazing product out of garbage and leverage all the beautiful things about garbage. The fact that by making something out of garbage, it inherently becomes the most eco-friendly way to make that product. And now TerraCycle is officially the most eco-friendly brand in North America. I mean, different you know, groups that do uh, rate products on their eco-friendliness have rated us pretty much that we have no impact on the environment. So that's one of the benefits of garbage. The other is that you actually get paid for the garbage, so you get negative raw material costs. That made so much sense, and this venture capitalist wanted us just to drop that aspect. I even remember them telling me to tone down the environmental angle and just make another organic fertilizer. And that really threatened the, the core of what we were about. 
So part of it sounds like good business sense, and I don't want to put any other words in your mouth, but part of it sounds like there's a strong moral compass in addition to that business sense. There is. There, but, you know, the thing is that we're a very flexible business. We initially started TerraCycle as a waste management company that would make its money by taking garbage and figure out what to do with what it produced from that garbage to where we are today, which is a consumer product company that happens to make its products out of garbage. The essence, though, the core of what it all revolves around, garbage, is something that we wouldn't let go. Everything else is up for grabs, and we would change and play with and whatever, but not the essence. Sort of like the soul of the company, you know, it's that little grain that it all built around. And, and why is that the essence? Is that something in you that, that says that, uh, I don't know, you, you see a landfill and you're just Put it this way. No, no, it's not. I, it wasn't like, I, you know, I was, it's been sort of a passion for my life, but that has been that core I, I, I've seen over and over is what saved the company and what unifies everything. If we lost that, then, I, then my feeling is the company would fail over time. Put it this way, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation if we weren't, you know, packaging worm poop in soda bottles. <laughs> well, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, case in point. Tom, I don't know, this, this question might be redundant at this point, but why are you proud to have the job that you're in right now? I think my job, I'm so lucky to have my job because it's so exciting. Uh, we, you know, we come up with products all the time. We have, this year we're going to be launching it with 40 new products from pots covered in graffiti to uh, fire logs that are made entirely from waste to cleaners to additional fertilizers and plant foods. And it's just so exciting. I get to really run a company that is so amazingly cool and innovative and doing all that stuff in the major mega arenas. I mean, that's why Scott sued us, is, in my opinion, is because we're in all the major retailers and we're doing this in a very big way. If we were just focusing on little retailers, I don't think this would have ever come up. But that's what we're trying to do is make this in an epic way, a very big way, and enact major change. And what's cool, too, is that if we pull it off well, we'll make a lot of money in the process and make a big difference, yeah. I mean, yeah. the really big idea is put it in this perspective. Garbage is something people are willing to, get, willing to pay to get rid of, right? Something that you don't want so much that you're willing to pay to get rid of it. That's sort of the you know, definition of garbage. And so mm -hmm. it, think of it as a supply and demand. It has negative demand. But over time, if, more, if we grow into a very big company and more people start doing this and it becomes very big, this idea, then there'll be more and more demand for garbage or for that specific type of garbage, whatever we're discussing. And then over time, the demand will rise, and what will happen? The price will rise. It'll go from negative fifty dollars to negative forty, negative thirty to negative twenty, to the point where it reaches zero, and then actually has a positive price. Say ten dollars a ton is what you have to start paying to get that material, which used to be called garbage, and that's the essence. After a, you know, there's so much demand produced for it, you actually eliminate the idea of garbage to begin with, because you create so much value for it. So are you going to start investing in futures of garbage to make sure you lock in the low rates? Or? There you go, huh? <laughs> um, I mean, but that is like the whole overall, you know, I mean, who knows how, how close we're going to get to that, but that is something that this is definitely contributing to in its, you know, some way. Okay, and then, of course, we wanted to ask you about this um, huge lawsuit, but we're kind of more interested in the angle of, of what it says about you and, and your career and right. your leadership and your CEO, because in this particular situation, an aggressive competitor with relatively unlimited resources coming at you extremely strong, I mean, there are various options, so mm -hmm. why, why did you choose the option that you did for TerraCycle? Because I, I felt like it was the only one. We went out, initially, when I sat down with our, uh, we have one internal attorney, one full-time attorney in-house, 
and he thought that and he's a you know, really wise guy. He thought, look, let's you know, I, I, I suggested the press, and he said, look, you know, let's not do that just yet. Let me go out to Ohio, meet with these guys, and see if I can settle this. And I, you know, absolutely, you know, you go and do what you think is right. So he went out, and that's also how I try to run this company as much as possible is really the people in place from production to sales to whatever function you're looking at are the best people that I've been able to find who do this. So they all know way more than I do about the function they're doing. So, you know, there's, I have a lot of trust in them to really pick the, you know, the strategy they see fit as long as it sort of holds the core, at, you know, in, in the same light. So he went out to Ohio. He got blown off. He, got, he had to wait for an hour, you know, for a meeting and then got 15 minutes and Scots blew him off. They really weren't willing to do anything, you know, reasonable. And when he came back, he was ready to go to the press. And that's the only angle I possibly saw was that, look, you know, since we can't attack, we can't win on, you know, legal because we can't spend that much money and we have very thin pockets. Since this is a frivolous suit, why don't we let the public decide? Let's let as many people out there know about it as possible. And hopefully the increased awareness will drive increased sales, which will actually help us fund the whole thing in the process. So it sort of felt as the only scenario we had to fight this because the other option was to cave and just to, you know, agree to everything they wanted. And we tried to do that at the beginning, but every time we agreed to one thing, they came up with five more. So that became, that be- didn't become an option. So I guess in a longabout way, this is our, what we feel is our one option. And luckily, you know, it's it succeeded to some degree because we have had, at this point, there's about one blog posted every hour. It's, it's been very, very nice to see people out there reacting to what's happening. You've kind of done the impossible. You've kind of made a lawsuit kind of fun we've tried to i mean we always have fun around here if you came in our factory every wall is covered in graffiti inside and out we're in the inner city making worm poop you know i mean it's we've always had a great time that's so important in the business not that i mean we have a lot of our you know people are very worried about losing their jobs because this lawsuit could be detrimental but we wanted to do you know sort of what TerraCycle does and bring that culture to this lawsuit and luckily scott's culture is probably the antithesis of what we are so it actually sort of worked pretty well and certainly the CEO is. I mean, he's a real fighter. At least yeah, he's yeah. He's, he's, he apparently has a picture of himself giving the finger on his desk that <laughs> I heard from someone who worked there. Um, but it's been, it's been pretty neat. And um, uh, we've had a lot of support even within the industry. People are really excited that we're going up against this company because apparently they've sued a lot of people and no one's ever fought. Hmm, so that's interesting. People are just in quietly cheering on. What are the truisms that have guided your career up to this point? I think there's one big one for me, which is to to be successful, you have to be willing to work extremely hard. That's almost the biggest truism that, you know, the amount of work you put into something will directly relate on the success level. It's not just that you have to have a great idea and then everything falls in your lap, but it really boils down to just really committing yourself, being passionate and having, you know, putting in just the hours and a lot of work into it and, and then being willing to fail. You know, I've, someone asked me today what's like the biggest mistake you've ever made, and I can't think of the biggest mistake because we make so many constantly. But there is a willingness here in the culture of what we have to tr- to be okay to fail, as long as we learn from it and and uh, grow from that. And that has really allowed TerraCycle to be what it is today: um, is hard work and the willingness to fail. Well, sounds like an awesome company. I mean, just everything you're saying and doing. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely rooting for you. Uh, thanks so much. Thank you. And I'm familiar with um, Trenton. I, I did a documentary. I'm actually still working on it um, about this guy who lived at the rescue mission of Trenton. Really? 
crack addict, yeah. And wow. he um he's a recovering crack addict and since then he's moved out and stuff, so right. did this little documentary for him. Oh well the, you would then uh, I think you'd appreciate this. We're right in the heart of Trenton and all mm-hmm. of our workers are from the Trenton area mm-hmm. and we don't we have a policy where we don't screen for drugs or, or criminal records. Mm-hmm. And it's been in, so exciting to see there have been a cut. you know, I mean obviously there's so many people who come in with alcohol convicts and you know crack is also mm-hmm. the biggest drug down here problems but people have really you know with the jobs that have been given out and the opportunity have turned many people have turned their lives around in such a big way just because they were never really given a chance before and that wow. was such an exciting thing to see around here that you know people who had major issues um you know whether it's criminal issues or drug issues have been able to really you know make a big difference in their lives uh, you, you might want to tie into the rescue mission and stuff and find out who's Well, we work a lot with are. IELTS. I don't know if you know, they're the big not-for-profit mm-hmm. in the area, and they've been a great group to work with. And so we okay. do a lot of work with them on uh, trying to find people, and uh, they've actually even invested in us. And we had a not-for-profit invest in us. Wow. That's, wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it yeah. usually doesn't happen like that, you know? Usually it's the other way. As we evaluate our own careers, here's one question we had to ask ourselves after listening to Tom. Are we mindlessly following the rest of the flock, doing what others think we should be doing? Or are we taking an honest, open look at all the possibilities before us, even if what we find is contrarian to the status quo? In Tom's case, he's building a career on what our disposable society looks at as garbage, even to the point of questioning the very definition. From worm poop, to used soda bottles, to down-on-their-luck laborers, Tom is finding opportunity where others see no value. In our own careers, are we looking everywhere to find value, even in the most unexpected places? As you mull over those answers, feel free to drop us a line with any unique insights into your career at podcast at mindpulseinc.com. That's podcast at M-I-N-D-P-U-L-S-E-I-N-C dot com. To learn more about Tom and his company, visit TerraCycle.net. To learn more about the lawsuit, visit SuedByScots.com. We hope this episode of Here's What I Know adds to what you know. And here's to your success. 